Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. So good to uh, be together. We had a little rain last night. Isn't that wonderful? Golly, we needed that. My my uh, my lawn is saying thank you, God. So, and my garden. And we're going to be talking about gardens today. Uh, so, we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But we're we're glad that you are here today. We welcome each of you, and we welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We are glad that you're here with us and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We would like uh, for you to take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. If you wouldn't mind uh, providing whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, and then pass it down the row so others can do it and make sure everybody on the, on the row gets an opportunity to sign the attendance sheets. A few announcements that we have uh, for today. Uh, we will be going to the Otters game this afternoon and we'll be leaving the church at about 4.15. Uh, so meet here and we will go together as a group over to Evansville to the Otters game and um, and uh, enjoy that time of fellowship together. We look forward to that. Then next Sunday, uh, next Sunday evening, we'll be having a uh, an ice cream social here at the church and uh, uh, a game night that, that evening as well. I think we're looking for people to make some homemade ice cream. That would be wonderful. If not, we can use store-bought as well. You know, I am not going to turn down a bowl of ice cream, uh, no matter whether it's made by hand or made at the store or whatever. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So we invite you to come uh, next week as well. And I think that's at 5 o'clock next, uh, next Sunday afternoon. Then also on uh, Saturday of this coming week, we will be serving lunch at the Salvation Army. We do that uh, every couple of months. And uh, we still need some volunteers to, uh, to fill in there. So if you would like to volunteer, volunteer to help uh, serve at the Salvation Army, please see Christine and she will get you signed up. Sandy's volunteering. Okay, thank you. I got two. Sandy's volunteering. Okay, you got that. <laughs> She's raising her hand there. So, um, one other thing, I, I need some volunteers. Come on, folks, I need some volunteers. Going to cut. We're going to cut another chain, another link from our chains today. So, come on, Jess. We need more than just a few here. Oh, here we go. Hold it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Now, we've been doing this for a little bit, and so some of you understand what's going on here. This, we are in the midst of what we call our Unleashed Debt Reduction Campaign. And uh, we have a mortgage here on our building, and we're trying to to knock it down as much as we can. And so we're in the process of doing that. And this is a little visual aid. The long chain that you see in the back represents the total debt that we incurred when we built this building. It's $1.2 million. Each one of the links in this chain represents $10,000. Okay, so that's, there's 120 links in this chain. $1.2 million. That was over... Uh, over 20 years ago, I think about 21 years ago now, that we incurred that debt. Um, we began our Unleashed Debt Reduction Campaign in February of last year. At, um, uh, and, and at that time, we owed just a smidge under $600,000. That's indicated right here. This is where we started. Whoops. This is where we started in February of last year. So since February of last, well, for the first 20 years, we got to here, okay? 
took us 20 years to get from here. Since February of last year, we've gotten to here. So we've made significant uh, impact on our debt. At the end of June, our balance was $421,930, which means that today we will cut our 17th link since we began our campaign, which, with each link representing $10,000. That's over $170,000 that we've reduced our debt in 17 months. After that, we will have only 42 more links to go before we completely rid this chain that has been holding us captive for all of these years. And uh, we are on a pace of about $10,000 a month, which is, which is tremendous. That is a tremendous thing that we are doing there. And, and the more we pay on the principal, everything, the extra that we get, we're paying it towards the principal. And the more we pay on the principal, the faster the debt payment will go, uh, will, will be reduced, the, the faster the, the debt payment will be accelerated because our regular payments, more is going towards principal than towards interest. The more we pay on principal, the more on our regular payment goes towards principal. In fact, we figured that just with the interest that we've saved so far this year, it is equivalent to making two extra payments just in the past six months. And so by the year end, just with the interest we've saved, that'll be an extra four payments in one year. So that's, that's wonderful, just with the interest that we've saved. So each month we're getting a little bit closer to unleashing ourselves from this, uh, from this debt that's been hanging around our debt, our neck so far and so long. And so today, we're going to cut another link. <laughs> yeah, last, last month I couldn't find any, any scissors and I was a little frantic and then I realized this is paper. <laughs> it's, it's easy there. Okay, we, we, we started this, as I said, uh, in February of last year, and we made a commitment as a church to do a three-year campaign, and so we're about halfway through this campaign. Um, not quite, actually. We'll be halfway through the campaign next month because we started in February. So about halfway through this campaign, uh, and, and folks, when you're halfway through something, it's easy to get a little complacent, isn't it? It's easy to kind of lose the excitement about it and, and, and just get a little complacent, complacent about it. And let me tell you something. We can't do that. We need to com continue to be diligent towards this effort to, to get this debt taken care of, okay? And, and I'm excited about uh, the, the progress that we have made, and I'm excited about what's, what's going to happen in the, in the years ahead when we finally get rid of this, and we're able to do what God really wants us to do, which is ministry in this community in a much bigger way than, than we've been, uh, been doing because we've had this debt hanging around our neck. And that's the main thing. Um, you know what? It, it, to do my, uh, ministry the way it, it needs to be done, it costs some money to do that. And we've been pouring money Money, money every month down this hole, and we want to get this, get out from under this, so that money can go towards God's ministry in this community. So thank you so much for your efforts and your your generosity to make this happen, and uh, and thank you for your continued diligence to make it happen even more uh, as we continue the process. And I'm looking forward to the day uh, that we can. Cut that last one, and we'll be done. And I want to write the last check. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's stand. It's a joyous occasion. Let's stand and celebrate together by sharing the joy of, of Christ with one another. <clears throat> Thank you.
remain standing for prayer. Let us pray together. Lord, we wonder about you. We look around us and at the mighty power and the majesty of nature and uh, the storm that we had last night and the the beauty of your earth. And it's easy for us to sing songs of praise for your, your strength and your creation. We experience the great love of our brothers and sisters in Christ and we bubble over with emotion. We experience the presence of your merciful spirit. We are filled with gratitude for the privilege of being your children. But then we look around at the ways in which people too often treat one another, and we are dismayed. Too often, lying and cheating are touted as the ways to get ahead and to succeed. We see deceit and anger and hostility and hatred, and we wonder... Where are the visions of the angels descending and ascending today? We long for times of peace and joy, and yet we are drawn into the horrors of the world. We can't help ourselves. Forgive us. Be with us, O Lord. Help us to see and to feel your presence in our lives. Help us to place our trust in you. For there is much work that still needs to be done in your world. And you've called us to do that work. So guide our steps and guard our lives. Help us to empty our lives of those things that choke out our effective work for your kingdom. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
wrong person, didn't I? am sorry. To the work. We keep working on things. <laughs> that you comfort those who are hurting, who are sick, who are suffering, because we know you are the almighty hero. We praise you and love you with all of our hearts and commit our lives to you. Lord, bless these gifts and guide us to use them to honor you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.
morning. I will be doing the scripture reading. It is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then skipping over and reading 36 through 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of that householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect all of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord.
Haven't we had some great music today? Thank you. I, I am so appreciative of our musicians. They are so talented and, and so willing to, to share their gifts with us. So thank you all. Thank you so much. How many of you have a garden this summer? few few folks there and I've, I've got a few things out there. I got some squash and some tomatoes so I'm still waiting for my tomatoes to turn green to turn red <laughs> they are green um, got some okra and and uh, some anybody want any cucumbers <laughs> <laughs> according to uh, to Charles Hughes, there there's a well-known saying in rural areas of our country that goes like this. Make sure you lock your car doors when you go into church. And this means something different for city folks because, you see, in, in urban areas, areas, we are told to lock our car doors even in the church parking lots because something might be stolen while we're inside. But there's an entirely different reason for that saying in rural areas because when you come out of worship service in a rural area and if you've forgotten and left your car door unlocked, you might just find a bag of zucchini in your front seat. (laughs) Now, zucchini is a very healthy food and it's good, It's, it's both good and it's good for you, However, there is nothing that grows more abundantly than zucchini. So gardeners are constantly trying to give zucchini away to anybody who will take them. Now, I thought about the abundance of zucchini when I read Jesus' parable about the weeds this week. Because if there is anything that that grows more abundantly than zucchini, it would have to be weeds. Especially if you're trying to grow a garden. According to Jesus' parable, a sower sowed some good seed in his field, but an enemy, enemy came along afterwards and sowed weeds in his field. And later Jesus explained that the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom, the weeds stand for all who do evil, and as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, he said. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And then he added, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now every gardener knows the importance of getting rid of the weeds. If you don't get rid of the weeds, the weeds have the potential to choke out the good plants. Now, many of us are uncomfortable with the idea of a God of judgment. And I have to admit that I'm a bit uncomfortable with with parts of this passage. But here it is. And it was taught by Jesus. And so sooner or later, we have to answer the question, what about the weeds? The most infamous of the Nazi death camps was the one in Dachau, Germany. Dachau was was known for its brutal treatment of prisoners as, as well as the death of thousands upon thousands of Jews. And a monument there memorializes the victims of, of Nazi terror. Alongside that monument is a series of exhibits de- depicting the, the various methods that the Germans used to annihilate the Jews, the detention camps, the extermination ovens, the mass graves. And then there was this, this huge sign which, which proclaims in French and in German and in Russian and in English, never again. That's the, that's the whole purpose of the exhibit. It is to remind us of the terrible deeds that were done so that we can keep thundering in every generation, never again. My friends, the fact remains even today that human evil is a continuing reality in our world. 
We see it on every continent. We see it even in our own community sometimes. And I, I understand the tendency to, to avoid the idea of the judgment of God. But what about the weeds? What about the evil within the hearts of men and women? And sometimes even the hearts of young children. The hatred, the bigotry, the envy, the bitterness, the anger, the self-centeredness, the greed. It's there. I heard about a student who wrote an essay on evolution. And she wrote, according to this theory, human beings descended from the apes and they have been descending ever since. And I'm afraid that there is probably a lot of truth to that little piece of humor. In our appetite for evil, human beings are still descending. Apes are not capable of the extraordinary evil that human beings resort to from time to time, which begs the question, which is really the most advanced species? So what about the weeds? Well, our concern for today is not about the final judgment that Jesus describes in our scripture for today when the wheat and the weeds will be separated. For most of, the, most of us, that, that matter has already been settled. And I believe that the main point of this parable is that we are not to be the ones to judge the weeds in other people's lives. God is the only ultimate judge of human behavior. And so the weeds are left to grow alongside the, the good plants. That's what the parable tells us. We're not responsible for their weeds. However, we are responsible for our own lives, aren't we? We are responsible for our own lives. And so what about the weeds in our lives? How do we deal with those weeds, those pesky personality defects, those uh, moral letdowns, those tawdry times of ethical failure that keep us from being the people that God intends for us to be. For you see, God has cre created us to be like a beautiful garden. That's what God wants. Let, let that image kind of sink in your head for a second. God has created us to be like a beautiful garden, bearing fruit that tastes so sweet and, and pleasing. Or maybe a flower garden, garden bursting forth with, with blossoms whose beauty is pleasing to the eyes. So how do we get rid of the weeds from our own hearts and become the beautiful garden that God intends for us to be? Well, the first thing that we need to do is to recognize how weeds grow. And you know how weeds grow? They just do. They just do. They grow with no effort at all. Nobody goes out and plants weeds. Did you do that? Do you go out and plant crabgrass in your yard? No, nobody goes out and plants weeds. Nobody cultivates a weed. Nobody waters a weed and makes sure it gets enough, enough sunshine. The fact is that weeds, they don't require any effort. They just grow. There's a little poem that describes how a, a lot of people feel about gardening. It says, to cultivate a garden takes a lot of labor. I would ra rather live next door to a gardener and cultivate my neighbor. <laughs> gardening, those, those of you who raised your hand, you know gardening requires a lot of work, doesn't it? it? It takes a lot of work. But weeds, that doesn't take any work at all. They just appear. Weeds kind of remind me of that, that mindless bit of philosophy that was so popular in, in, in years back, and it's so popular in, in our society even today, and that philosophy says, if it feels good, do it. Uh, folks, let me tell you something. That's a recipe for failure. 
If we only did what felt good, we would be physical and mental and moral and spiritual wrecks. Listen to this. The things that are really worth having in life require effort and sometimes even pain. One of the most dangerous heresies of this sort of uh, of this sort is the idea that that love is that mushy little feeling that you get when you see Mr. or Ms. Wright and everyone lives happily ever after. Now, sometimes I think our children's stories do us a disservice because not not everyone lives happily ever after and they make it seem like it's a beautiful thing and there takes no effort at all, but that's not, the quite, not, that's not the way it is because mature people will tell you that love is not simply a feeling. It's that, but it's not just that. It is a commitment. Real love takes work and it involves the willingness to, to be there during the good times and the bad, for better, for worse. And that's especially true for parenting. I heard about a man who wouldn't let his children go to church. And his rationale was that he wanted them to to wait until they grew up and became old enough to decide for themselves. And, And so his pastor came by one day and he said, I want to take you to see my garden. And so he picked him up, and they drove out to look at the garden. When they walked into the garden, it was just so full of weeds. Weeds were all over the place. It was choking out their, his squash. He was choking out the beans and the okra, the tomatoes. You could hardly see any fruit on any of the, the vines because the weeds were choking everything out. And the man said, it's a, this is a pitiful excuse for a garden. To which the pastor replied, well, I just wanted to wait until the vegetables had a chance to decide for themselves what they wanted to do. (laughs) My friends, looking after a garden takes work, and so does looking after a marriage or looking after our children, being a parent. So beware of anything in life that requires no effort, no commitment, no inconvenience. If you run across something like that, you're probably dealing with a weed. And that's a danger. That is the danger, for example, behind addictive gambling. It's that illusion of great riches that can be yours with little effort. It's a part of the psychology of of drugs. Why face the the problems in your life when you can just run away from them by taking a pill. Illicit sex can have that same appeal. A few hours in a motel room is a lot different from a commitment to love and to cherish until death do you part. So how do you get rid of the weeds? You you begin by recognizing how they grow. They grow with no effort whatsoever. Then secondly, you get rid of weeds by recognizing what it takes to grow a beautiful garden. You begin with a mental idea of what you want to achieve in your life. You map it out in your mind's eye. You visualize the finished product. Maybe you even make a drawing of what you want it to look like. The roses, the begonias, the dogwoods, the maples, the, the hedges, the walkways in your garden. Do you have that same kind of clear-cut vision concerning your own life? There are some people who take better care of their lawns than they do their lives. But successful people almost always have a vision of what they want to achieve in life. Stories told about a skinny, scrawny, African-American young man who once heard a coach say, you can, be what you, you can be what you make up your mind to be, and God will help you. And so later this youngster came up to the coach, and she, he said, Coach, I've decided that I want to be the fastest man in the world. And so the coach said, Son, that's a great dream, but there's one problem. 
dreams have a way of floating high in the sky and drifting around like clouds and dreams never become a reality unless you have the the courage to build a ladder to your dreams. And then he explained that this dream would take a lot of determination, a lot of dedication, a lot of discipline. And a young Jesse Owens listened to that coach. And at the 1936 Olympics in Germany, he established himself firmly as the fastest man on earth. He won four gold medals there and embarrassed Adolf Hitler before the world. A beautiful young garden begins with a vision, a dream, an inner picture of what what you can accomplish with God's help. But a beautiful garden also requires a plan. How do you get there? You may have a wonderful dream of what you want to accomplish in your life, but what's your plan for reaching those lofty goals? There's a great Quaker leader. His name was Rufus Jones. He was a prolific writer. He wrote a book every year for over 50 years. And, and he did this all while making speeches all over the world and editing a magazine and, and attending to all kinds of other responsibilities in his life and in his work. And someone once asked him how he found the time to write so many books. And, and his answer was very simple. He said, I wrote my books on Tuesdays. It's a simple plan. He set aside every Tuesday as a day that he would accept no, no appointments, and he wrote from breakfast until dark. And by following that simple plan, he, he left behind a, a huge body of work. Simple plan, but it was a plan that worked. You have heard it before because it's true. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Jesus talked about the foolishness of those who build a a tower without first counting the costs. Successful living requires that we give some thought to our future. We have a vision of the garden that we hope to be, and, and then we sit down and we make a plan. What do I have to do to make my dream a reality? My friends, a beautiful garden requires a vision. It requires a plan And then also, it requires a commitment to cultivate that garden for as long as necessary. In other words, to work the plan. You have the vision of what it looks like. You have the plan of how to get there. And then you have to work the plan to make it happen. I like what uh, Tom Landry once said. He was the legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He once said, I have a job to do that's not very complicated, but it's difficult. My job is to get a group of men to do what they don't want to do so that they can achieve the one thing that they all have wanted all of their lives. And that's probably true, isn't it? What a great statement that is. And that's what it takes to cultivate the garden of your life. It requires those, those daily little tasks that may be a pain. But you do them anyway because you can envision the beauty and the bounty that awaits you if you... Go through this, this plan as you work the plan. And, and, and that, of course, is what disciplined living is all about. You know, some people don't understand the, the nature of discipline. And they think that going through the routine of things that, ah, you know, maybe I should, maybe I don't need to do that today. They think about going through those routines. They're just kind of a mindless devotion to meaningless activity. But they're not. They're important. I heard about a Marine sergeant who was trying to enforce Marine discipline on a group of recruits, and he decided that the modern psychological idea that you should always explain why he should apply that. And so he was yelling at a squadron, a group of, uh, of recruits, a squadron of recruits there. He said, take a look at yourselves. Shoes not shined, haircuts look terrible, ties are crooked, your whiskers like you haven't shaved in a week. Suppose some country suddenly declared war on us. What would we do? Like that makes a difference. (laughs) 
And I really doubt that having our shoes shine and our hair trimmed will, will help much in a battle. But here's the thing. The discipline involved in the daily life of a, of a Marine will make a difference in the outcome of the battle. Disciplined living is not following a mindless routine. The person who has caught a vision of life's boundless possibilities, to that person, living a disciplined life is the application of a plan. So isn't it time you got rid of the weeds in your life? Weeds are the enemy of a beautiful garden. Whether the garden is a good marriage or the sanctity of your body or your relationship with your children or your progress in your profession or your relationship with God, weeds require no effort at all, but they can choke out the work of a lifetime. A beautiful garden, on the other hand, that requires vision. It requires planning and discipline. But the prize is worth the price. So heed the warning that Jesus offers us about weeds. Keep the weeds out of your life. Farmer was out spraying in his garden and a certain beetle was threatening his crops and his little girl was upset with her father for killing all of those helpless little bugs. And then her father explained that their family depended on their garden. The beetles could literally cause them to go hungry. And he said, you see, it's not so much that I'm opposed to the beetles. It's just that I'm for our garden. And that's the way God feels about weeds. It's not so much that God hates weeds. It's just that God loves us so much that God doesn't want anything in our lives that might drag us down and choke out the joy of living God's life. Successful living requires us to get rid of the weeds and to turn our lives into the beautiful garden that God wants. So let's put on our overalls and let's get to work. Let's do everything we can to turn our lives into the beautiful garden that God envisions for us. But it takes work. Are you up to it? I think you are. Because you can do anything with God's help. Amen. Let's sing together. Your closing hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. Sometimes we forget this, don't we? We rush through life and we don't take the time to just be with God and to absorb the holiness of God. But it's important for us to make that a part of the discipline that we have of weeding our garden. Let's take time to be holy.
Ha, ha, ha.